right, everybody, welcome to the show. This is the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Notice I didn't start the show like we usually started with the word shalom and welcome. And we didn't do that today because that's not something you say today uh, because it is the 9th of Av. It is not a day to uh, welcome other people and greet other people. It's a day of sadness and mourning. This is the saddest day on the Jewish calendar. Uh, but we're still putting out a show. Uh, and remember that uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe taught us that you, uh, uh, you reduce, but still enjoy. You do the stuff, it's still enjoy. That's part of Judaism. And speaking of joy, Malka Fleischer, welcome to the program. Shalom and welcome. Yes. Oh. See, it's very hard not to do. That's right. It's very hard not to do. I, I've right. been saying to people, Tzom Kal. You just go Tzom Kal. Which is an easy fast. Yeah, have an easy fast. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Uh, Malka, it's great to have you on the show. Ninth of Av, a sad day on the Jewish calendar on the one hand. On the other hand... You can't help but really have a feeling that the, the nation of Israel is moving forward. Uh, there's been videos coming out of tens of thousands of people yesterday, last night at the Kotel. That's great. And also thousands at uh, one of the gates to the Temple Mount. Uh, the Minister of uh, National Security, Itamar Ben-Gvir, on the Temple Mount this morning. Other, other Knesset members and ministers as well. Good, good for them. Uh, thousands of people going up to the Temple Mount today. Uh, lots of energy. I actually went up two days ago uh, purposefully. Uh, to to not have to go on Tisha B'av, but to go in the in the in the period in the nine days in the nine days, and so uh, you know, there's definitely a sense of that uh, that there's uh, redemption consciousness. The Jewish people are being reborn in this land. I was just watching uh, uh, films about uh, World War One and just uh, the horrific <clears throat> history and challenges. And in in my mind, uh, so much of um, World War One and the nine people, nine million people killed during that war was really for the rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. All I mean to say is there is such a long and hard effort to bring the people back to this land. Uh, and uh, and this Tisha B'Av, in a sense, I kind of think of it now not just as a mourning time, but as a commemoration of all the hardships. Mm. And so today we commemorate the hardships. Today right. we, like, we take a break and we commemorate all the pains and the struggles by the way, and of the Jewish people, but not just. There's been also other parts of the world that have been part of the struggle uh, that have fought for it. Uh, you know, British troops fought to liberate uh, the land of Israel from the Turkish Empire, for example. And people, you know, died for that. Uh, and that led to the uh, beginnings of uh, the nascent Jewish state. All I mean to say is it's been, there's been a lot. And t- today, it's a, it's a good day to remember uh, all of the trials and tribulations and travails and then uh you know we have israel memorial day which which commemorates all the people that have fallen in the wars and the terror acts that israel has faced but even today you remember that really the real root of it is not just nationalism it's not it's not that israelis and jews died because of jewish nationalism it's because of anti-semitism and so today is a day of like like remembering all the hate against Jews as well. Right. Um, and it's a day in general to remember, you know, the things that are broken. Um, and, you know, we all try to stay upbeat and get going with our lives and overcome the obstacles and try to be productive and creative and happy and a good person to be around. But on the 9th of Av, it's time to give yourself also permission to, to see the things to, that are broken. To see what's not right. not so great. That's right. And to be able to say, listen, like a lot of stuff is actually not so great at all. That's right. And am I doing good? No. 
Right. Right. Like I'm not doing so good. Um, and if, and later on in the day already, like you and I were sitting on the floor recording this show. Literally sitting. We're on the sitting floor on the floor. Right. I'm on a blanket on the floor. Right. And you're on a pillow on the floor, and we're on the floor. Right. Uh, later in the day, you get up and you already start to be like, "How are you doing?" Right. right? And you're like, "I'm okay." Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm okay. And then you go back into being okay. But for a few hours of the year, right. you go, "I'm not okay," and this is not okay. We're not okay. Right. And uh, I think there's something scary about that, but something healthy about that. Right. And um, it's okay to say that things are not okay. And women don't put on makeup and right. the or mirrors cream, are covered. So the mirrors are covered like in a house of mourning. Right. So you, you, you just get like, you get a little, you get a little shocked from it, but, but right. it's really. And certainly there's no eating, no drinking, right. uh, you know, no, even with the children, you know, it's not like they're just like in a corner playing video games and laughing at a comic book. They're. You know, trying to keep in the spirit of the day. You don't go too heavy on the children, but you try to stay in the spirit of the day. Teach them about the the temple. Teach them, um, uh, you know, about uh, hard times in Jewish history according to the appropriateness of their age. Well, speaking of hard times in Jewish history, uh, Ben Bresky uh, actually has uh, a short retrospective on Tisha B'Av throughout history and the various challenges uh, that you may have not thought of including the expulsion from Spain that also happened on the 9th of Av. So here's our very own Ben Bresky uh, with a history moment about the 9th of Av. This is a moment in Jewish history. Tisha B'Av is the ninth day of the month of Av on the Hebrew calendar and is a solemn fast day which commemorates the destruction of the first holy temple by the Babylonians and on the same date the second holy temple by the Romans. There are other calamities that befell the Jewish people that occurred on this date in history, which we will explore. The Book of Lamentations, or Echa, is read in synagogues throughout the Jewish world. I have attended Echa readings many times at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Throughout the night, one can find people sitting on the ground as a sign of mourning and reading lamentations, sometimes on a scroll resembling a small Torah. Also, keynote or elegies are recited. The Western Wall is the outer retaining wall of the Holy Temple, central to Jewish worship in ancient times. Other remains of the Temple, such as pillars, can be seen, and evidence of the destruction. The Second Temple was refurbished by King Herod the Great, who built many structures in Israel, which still stand today. One of these is Mount Herodium, a hilltop palace. One year on Tisha B'Av, I joined a group of people who climbed the steep path at dusk by candlelight and read the Book of Lamentations at the remains of the 2,000-year-old synagogue on Mount Herodium. Herodium was conquered and destroyed by the Romans, and later, during the rebellion against the Romans, Jewish leader Shimon Bar Kokhba made Herodium his second headquarters. Bar Kokhba and his followers led a valiant struggle against their oppressors, but ultimately were defeated at Betar. This occurred on the 9th of Av. This is one of the five events that occurred on that date, according to the Mishnah. In addition to the destruction of both temples and the destruction of Betar, the other calamities include the biblical sin of the spies who brought back negative reports of the land of Israel and the plowing of Jerusalem by the Romans as a sign of conquest. In 1492, the Edict of Expulsion was issued, 
declaring that all practicing Jews in Spain must be expelled by July 31st, the eve of Tisha B'Av. The Jews were expelled from England on Tisha B'Av in 1290 and from France in 1306. In more modern times, other calamities have befallen the Jewish people on this date. One of these is the beginning of World War I. When I first read this, I found it hard to believe, so I looked it up on the calendar, and in fact, Germany entered World War I, declaring war on Russia on August 1, 1914, corresponding with the Hebrew date of the 9th of Av. Other countries were invaded soon after, resulting in an upheaval of Jewish communities. Many Jewish soldiers fought bravely for their respective countries. During the Great War, as it was called, the British gained control of the land of Israel from the Ottoman Empire and signed the Balfour Declaration. These momentous events will be discussed in a future episode. Last year on Tisha B'Av, I attended a lecture by Walter Bingham, journalist and host of the Walter's World podcast. Born and raised in Germany, Walter discussed his personal experiences and explained how World War I led to World War II. During his speech, Walter passed around an authentic Hitler Youth dagger inscribed with a Nazi swastika. It was significant to me that I held this knife on Tisha B'Av in a synagogue in Jerusalem. The prophet Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, also wrote that one day people both young and old will rejoice in music and dance. Quote, and I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. Unquote. I had a small taste of this at the Western Wall upon seeing young people joining hands in a circle and singing slow songs about Jerusalem. Passers-by of different walks of life join them, and while the songs are sad, there is a sense of unity. This has been a moment in Jewish history. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to all the listeners, and Shalom. Okay, thank you very much, Ben. That was excellent, and a good reminder of all the different things that have happened in this day. And it's nice of God to concentrate. I, I know that you like it in a sense. You, you don't like when, when bad things happen in good times. And it's, right, I don't mind if good things happen in bad times, but I don't like it when bad things happen in good times. Right, but when and, bad things happen right, in bad times, that, that, that kind of makes sense. Right. So speaking of bad times happening in bad times, um, I, got a, uh, I got a message from my friend Aaron who wrote, I was thinking about Girush Gush Katif. The expulsion from Gaza. That's right. And relive in 2005 and reliving those painful days and realizing that no Israeli government has ever apologized to the people of Israel for the catastrophic mistake it made. Our government should make public official should make a public and official apology on behalf of the state of Israel to the citizens and especially those of Gush Katif for the terrible error in their predecessor that their predecessors made negatively affecting the lives of millions in our country. And I thought to myself, that is so true. I really thought to myself, that is actually really correct and true. It is Although really, it would probably open the state up to like a ton of lawsuits and things. I'm not sure. If they officially apologize. This is Israel. You know, you can barely, you can barely sue the state in any real way, except if you're on the left. So right. anyway, <laughs> uh, but the bottom line is that um, I think that is true. And that made me also remember uh, and shot me back to the images in my mind of the uh, 2005 expulsion 
And you and I, Malka, were sent down there as emissaries of Arutz Sheva, Israel National News, Israel National Radio. Uh, and we had a house in Gadid. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we brought, not drinking today, and we did a lot of broadcasting uh, and picture taking. Almost all of the pictures that were from Gush Katif, excuse me, that were from that were on Israel National News and Arut Sheva in Hebrew and in English from those days were from my pictures that we took uh, on our little Canon camera that right. we sent uh, that we sent with a uploaded l- uploaded through an internet stick and an IBM um, uh, a laptop. Uh, but we also had a lot of sound. We caught a lot of sound of those days uh, of that horrific fight. Uh, to retain the Jewish land in Gush Katif, not handed over to the terrorists, and our government, sadly, uh, making that um, that unforgivable mistake of of relinquishing that land and handing it over to the terrorists, uh, we were there for that, and we made a lot of radio and and sound from that, and Aaron reminded me of that, and here's us here's a three part segment of you and I, Malka. Uh, you start out speaking about. Uh, the last days of Gush Katif, and this is sound from 2005, uh, from Arutz Sheva, uh, of our time in uh, living in beautiful Gaza. That's right, beautiful Gaza. That's right. People don't know that. The most beautiful seashells. The most beautiful beaches in, uh, in the Middle East, uh, and certainly in, in this part of the Middle East. And uh, we were there. And here you are, Malka, talking about the uh, lack of food on the shelves at the supermarket. Uh, as the army is uh, starting to crack down and close up uh, that Jewish life in Gaza. So Ben Bresky found a lot of uh, audio for us, and here we go. I went to the grocery store today, as I go many days, and the shelves are almost empty. Almost empty. People stand in long lines to get a little bit of food. Well, it won't make much of a difference in a few days because on Sunday, which is the day of Tisha B'Av, the least auspicious day in the Jewish calendar, uh, the day when we mark the destruction of two temples, when we remember the sin of the spies who came and lied about the greatness and the potential in the land of Israel for the Jewish people. On that day, the Jewish army in uh, the year 57... 65, 2005, are closing the gates to the Yishuvim and are not allowing any travel in between the towns in Gush Katif. Now, the grocery store that I go to is in Nevei Kalim. I live in Gadid, which means after Sunday... I can't buy any more groceries. It's over. I can't buy any more juice. I can't buy any more water. I can't buy any more pasta. I can't buy any more salt or whatever it is that I feel that I need in order to make it possible for myself and Gadid. So you're asking me, are you stocking up? You betcha. We are stocking up in our house food for a situation in which we envision the army cutting us off from like any, any purchasable sustenance. So, uh, I don't know if the store will be closing, but I don't know what use it's going to be to a lot of people. Now, aside from the grocery store, the gas station is going to be closing down on Thursday. No more gasoline. Cars will not be able to fill up their tanks after Thursday, um, which means that people are also beginning to save gasoline. They are putting it in bottles or they're putting it in, uh, you know, special containers that are safe for gasoline they are 
warning that they are also going to shut off the electricity. I don't know how long we're going to be able to continue to broadcast to you. I don't know when the freeze is going to come, which puts everybody in this place in isolation and shuts your eye to the people here and the things that are going on. And once that happens, by the way, you should know that Yishai and I have no intention to leave. Once that freeze happens, we are frozen with the rest of the people, and when the global eye of the media opens up again, you'll see what happened to us, and I'm not sure what that will be either. And so that's why I talk about being nervous, because just because you understand that at the end of the story, things are going to be good, and I know that they're going to be good. I know that at the end of the story, we win. I know that at the end of the story, we have the entire land of Israel. I know at the end of the story, we have a temple. We have a a righteous people who are unified and loving and worshiping God. I know that at the end, we are priests unto the nations, but I don't know what happens to Malka Fleischer at the end. I do not know what happens. I do not know what happens to Yishai Fleischer at the end. I believe that there is a God in heaven. I believe he loves his children. I believe he will do what he can to protect us, but I am not certain of my fate in this story. That's one of the amazing things that you have to see, is that while this localized event is happening, God has not put a stopper in the rest of his plan, meaning to say that the Jews are still coming from the four corners of the earth, and the plants are still growing, and Yeshuvim are still growing, and all of these things are happening, and you have to look at those indicators and say, you know, I see that God is letting all these other good things continue to happen, so... Why could we assume now that in the midst of all that, the, this huge, awful tragedy is going to occur? What about our plants, Malka, right? We, we came to, uh, we live in a little, I call it a housey. It's like a small house <laughs> in uh, Gadid. Me and Malka just had an understanding. We have to not just live here temporarily. We have to kind of feel like we're here. We have to clean up this house. We have to get rid of all the dirt all around. We have to plant plants. And we went and we bought hundreds of shekel worth, worth, uh, worth of plants, and we planted them. And i got to tell you something. They have taken root like I've never seen before. They just, they just have, they're, they're just flourishing. They're just alive and well in the soil of the land of Israel. When the Jewish people are in a tough time, that is when God turns it all around. He turned it all around in the Esther story. Purim. In the Purim story, it was in the darkest hour. It had to come to the darkest hour to turn around. For Nachshon ben Aminadav, uh, who walked into the Red Sea, it, the sea only split when it when it reached his nose, when it was the final chance for him to exist. God brings this drama to a boil to make a Kiddush Hashem, and it's up to us to to be the the messengers and the doers to fulfill that dream. They're taking people out one at a time, and the beauty here is, is that it's taking very slow, and it's a very painful process. Two soldiers have already uh, kind of exited the scene in complete, utter tears. And I'm talking about, like, sobbing, baby-crying tears. It's not going so smoothly for the army. Uh, the women haven't even gotten to the women's section yet, and I look at the women, they're either, the women soldiers, they're either crying or laughing, like this nervous kind of laughter. Uh, right now... Uh, right now they're trying to take people out of the male shul, and it's not going easily at all, at all. It's going like pulling teeth, maybe even more, like pulling a Jew out of his land. That, that's the scenery right now. We're taking pictures of everybody that comes out. I guess, I guess the army and the people of Israel and people around the world will see that Jews, you know, are not willing to give up quickly. And I'm looking forward to see more soldiers show true Jewish hearts by passing out crying, leaving, doing whatever they can, can't help but uh, applauding 
all the Jews here who have not given up easily, who are showing the world that if Ariel Sharon wants to do this, he may be able to do it, but it won't, it won't be easy for him, and it won't be easy for the whole nation of Israel. So the struggle here continues, and I, uh, I'm taking a lot of strength from it. There's a real element of, of psychology here. There's a generation of kids, and we're talking really about youth right now. There's a generation of kids who are, who are in this synagogue right now. There's thousands of them, and they... And these moments are, are showing their last struggle over a year and a half. They've been trying to say to the people of Israel, and to the news, to everybody, sorry, Sharon, we're not leaving, and this is wrong. I see another burning. I think another house has been lit aflame, and houses are going up. Another very powerful, strong sign, and if you're going to take her home, I'm going to burn it with my own hands. Well, I built it with my own hands. I will burn it with my own hands. That's the scene here in the Central Synagogue at Nevada Kalim. I'm not giving up on this country, and I'm not giving up on this state. I, I a long time ago, came to the conclusion that uh, the land of Israel, uh, the, the issues of the Jewish people in the land of Israel are going to be not easy, and that we're going to be facing crises on the inside. And Jewish history also tells me that we have a lot of crises on the inside. So that's what's going on right now, a crisis from the inside. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's not out of the realm... It's not outside of the pale of Jewish history, that's one. Number two, I, I get a lot of strength from the people here. Even the, the soldiers and the cops, who I'm very disappointed at, uh, show a lot of humanity sometimes. I think that they will themselves. I think many people here, soldiers here and, and policemen, are going to leave this place and going to seek out God because they would have seen really what people their age and a little bit younger, how much they care, how much they love the land of Israel. And maybe there's a uniting element around here. I also see a lot of will to be kind. Uh, by soldiers. Maka, we are very lucky to be joined here in the hotel by Eitan. Eitan is a young man, a volunteer from Alone Shvut, and I think he's an English speaker. Eitan, get close to the mic like I am. Stand right next close, close to the mic. Eitan, How old are you? I'm 14. 14 years old. And so what are you doing here today instead of spending your last few days before the beginning of school at home? What are you doing here? Well, uh, basically, we're, we're helping the people with whatever they, with whatever they need. Their needs, um, babysitting, uh, bringing them food, um, buying them things in the supermarket, things like that. Everything, little things that people need. Now, for help. you're a 14-year-old. You're watching this stuff on TV. Were you in Gush Katif recently? Yeah. Where? When were you there? I was in Shiratayam, in Kfaryam, and uh, I left there when, when on 12 o'clock at night before everything closed. When, Thursday night? Uh, no, it was Motzei Tisha B'Av. So you basically a week ago. Yeah. You were there till about a week ago. You, did you get a lot of swimming in? Yeah. You, while you were there? Now, you're a 14-year-old young man, and you're looking at all this. Why is this happening, in your opinion? What do you think about all this? I really don't like it, the idea at all. Uh, but I think the people who who want the disengagement to happen, they, they think it's going to be good, but I think it's a very big mistake. What about Eretz Israel? Are you connected to Eretz Israel? You feel like... Yeah, a lot. I go on, on trips. I, I walk a lot in, you know, in the nature. I like it. What about, like, the state of Israel? The state did this thing, right? The army did this thing. Are you gonna? How do you feel about going to the army, for example? Well, the army is basically, it's, it's meant to, again, 
to protect to protect us and that if I go to the um, to the army so I'll, I'll go there to protect what did you like the most in Gush Katif is there anything you think you're going to miss yeah well first of all when when all this idea of this engagement became appropriate so so everybody suddenly helps each other and um and knows them and gets to know them and all these things and the the ocean I'm gonna miss I mean it's a very nice place and and from the side of Muna belief what about the kids your age here at the hotel how are they doing the ones that were kicked out of their home you have friends here that that uh well I, I'm more with the little with the little children but they have a lot of um, activities mm-hmm are they are they going on and going to their activities as though nothing's really happened? No, they speak of the disengagement a lot, but they they're trying to enjoy themselves. Yeah, what do they say when they speak of it? Do they miss their their house? What do they? Well, not not all of them, you know, gets the idea that he's not going to go home anymore. I got one last question for you, Aton. What are you gonna do different when you grow up? How are you gonna try to make this place a different place? How are you going to try to make Israel a better place? What do you plan for for when you get older? Well, I think I'll, I'll try to talk with more with more of the people who uh, who we're not connected with in in our in in this side in our side. They think we are fanatics. That's what they think. And if they knew us and we we were with them more, so they would uh, like. So it would be Eitan, thank you very much. Thank God you. bless you. Give me a handshake. You're the man. Okay, all the best to you. And Bizrat Hashem, you, you know, your work here today is going to really make a difference for people. And Bizrat Hashem, you're going to remember this experience. By the time you get older, you're going to make a difference. Oh, boy. I can't even listen to that. That stuff is I have yeah. to walk away. Yeah, that stuff is hard. I can't listen to it. And um, I remember. That I, was one of the worst things that. I mean, my mother passed away. Right. And I was in the expulsion of Gaza. Those were the two worst things that I've ever been through. Yeah, and I remember I found I found rockets. I have two rockets at home, uh, two uh, Gazan terrorist rockets. I remember seeing a teddy bear flung on the floor. I took a picture of that teddy bear, uh, you know, in the sand, kind of as as the kids are being pulled out of the house. A lot of lot of bad stuff. We remember that, uh, and we hope for God's sakes that uh, that uh, there will be a rectification. I, I agree with the apology, but the apology idea of uh, of the state apologizing, but that's not enough. The real apology will be when we get back uh, to Gush Katif. Right, that's the whole thing. Also with Tisha B'av, by the way, it's not enough to remember. You have to want to rebuild. That's right. That's right. Good call, Malka. It's not like oh, we had these temples, but now thank God I have my shul. It's like no, we have to get back. Right, that's to right. To the temple. Very good, very good point. Maka, the only way that we're going to get back to the temple is by moving things forward. Uh, one of the ways to move things forward is to buy property and do stuff here in the land of Israel. And you need to transfer that money over, so that's not so simple. And the way we're going to do it is is help you by recommending uh, the good services of um, Change 86, which I use uh, here in Gush Etzion, uh, dark currencies. The money transfer is great, especially for big, especially for big uh, sums. Just write to Yossi, Y-O-S-S-I, change86 at gmail.com. And my friend Ari 
is like really you know like why did you uh, why, I do need to make a big money transfer why do you uh, recommend these guys I said because I recommend using them that's why because I I have I've myself have used them and I think that they're great and they do a great job so check out Yossi Change 86 at gmail.com uh, another way to do it is to bring your family on a trip if it's uh, anything from uh, educational tour to uh, your synagogue to bar mitzvah trip bat mitzvah trip that whole thing uh, you need somebody that's going to help you your family your shul group your youth group your mission your bar mitzvah bat mitzvah trip to make the itinerary and to oversee every detail that's kaplan custom tours highly recommended mo kaplan m-o-k-a-p-l-a-n at gmail.com to get your trip underway mo kaplan at gmail.com uh last shabbat malka we were at the Hayovel Shabbat. We went to, to the uh, hilltop uh, in Samaria, uh, which is which is bordering, not bordering, which is part of the Har Bracha community. There's a non-Jewish, but biblically minded, non-Jewish Gentile folks that live right next to uh, uh, Har Bracha, uh, really part of Har Bracha. We spent Shabbat out there. Gave them an awesome Shabbat, Malka. Especially you. You did a great job. Uh, but us and the kids, we did. We really had an amazing time there. Uh, and uh, and uh, there were halachic issues and how to do it right, and it was really fun. I you know I called my rabbis, uh, I called Rabbi Shimshon and asked them the halachic uh, things of not, with it being outside of an eruv and you know what 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 is good and what is doable in such a situation of being with Gentiles over Shabbat. But of course, we were close by to the Jewish community, went and prayed there as well. So it was really great. One of the things that happened is right before we went there. Uh, the folks at Prohibition Pickle, our friend Chaim, came over and he gave us a beautiful package of uh, of uh, meats and pickles. One of my funniest things over the Shabbat was I, I sat on the side for the third meal, Sudashli Sheet, and I watched a bunch of Gentiles try herring. Right. That was one of my favorite moments. Yeah, they were like, they looked at it like... It's just, you it's, know, it was like a creature from another planet. They just never could imagine why you would pickle a fish. It was just like that scene from um, uh, from Frisco Kid, where he's like, where 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 Harrison Ford says to Gene Wilder, he's like, "That's Jewish cooking, isn't it? Is it right? That's Jewish cooking. It's like a weird fishy taste." Yeah, they were like, they were eating this like weird pickle, which is weird. It's just objectively weird. Even for Jews, there's plenty of Jews. Who don't eat herring but these these gentiles were brave right but good jews do eat herring and that's why if you go to prohibitionpickle.co.il you can get some great prohibition pickle we had great uh, like we had catering plus extra catering was really a lot of fun um also i want to mention the good folks at retro watch guy and they may they make you have your life uh, it is time for redemption and you will know exactly what time that is redemption time yeah that's right with a Cool classic watch. Chadesh Yamenu Keketim. Right. Right? Nice. Renew nice, our nice. days like old. You'll have an old watch in a new way in the land. Uh, retrowatchguy.com has great watches. I highly recommend them. I love them. Uh, Malka, um, I have wanted to talk about, um, I want to talk about for one second, I'm just wondering, should I first talk about Little Vartor or should we go with, with Rav Mike? Oh, I'll do a, a, just a short you thought. gotta watch out with Divrei Torah, Isha. You're not allowed to learn Torah. This is uh, this is this, this one's okay, Malka. I just want to say that the sages say very plainly that Mashiach is born on the ninth of Av. Right. I actually have a technical reason to explain that. It's going to sound a little weird at first, but that's okay because it's my show. So, um, you know who becomes a hero on the ninth of Av? 
Kalev ben Yifune. Kalev ben Yifune, actually, his moment of heroism when he stands up to the rest of the Jewish people and to the spies is on the 9th of Av. And he says to them, no, we can't go up to the land. And, and, and he follows in God's paths. He follows in the footsteps of the forefathers and mothers. And, and then God gives tremendous accolades to Kalev ben Yifune from the tribe of Judah. And he says he had a different spirit and he followed in my way. And he, and he waxes, God waxes big about Kalev. And I realize what, what it is. I, this is going to sound funny, but it's so true. Kalev is the first light of the Davidic kingdom. He is literally the ancestor of King David. And he's the first of the tribe of Judah that like, well, there's Judah himself, right? But, but there's this first moment where he's like, I can lead this people. I can speak and I can walk in God's paths. If you remember that whole story about how King David is dancing in front of the, uh, in front of the uh, Aaron and, and Michal, who's the daughter of Saul, the daughter of Shaul, she's like, oh, you know, you made a mockery of yourself. And he's like, I am completely willing to make a mockery because I'm dancing in front of the Lord. Like I, I could be even lower uh, to, to praise the Lord. And it's exactly what Kalev ben Yifune is like. He's, like. he's like, I don't have to be with everybody. I, got, I don't have to look right. I don't, I don't have to be in agreement and consensus. And he gets out there and he says the truth. And God's like you. And you're going to inherit that land. And that's exactly, Hebron is exactly the land that he inherited. And it's exactly where King David starts his kingdom. And so on the 9th of Av, there's a moment of Jewish heroism. And that moment of Jewish heroism is really the moment of redemption, of the building of the temple. King David wasn't even given a right to build a temple, but he prepared everything. It was just like he made, the, he made a Lego box for, for his son Shlomo to just make it happen. Um, but that happened really on the 9th of Av. The 9th of Av was the destruction. The 9th of Av was the birth of Mashiach, the birth of the Davidic kingdom, the, the birth of that moment. Uh, and that's why today is a bitter and sweet, not bittersweet, but bitter and sweet moment, which is on the one hand, we mourn destructions. On the other hand, as you already said, and we're right now, as we're sitting here, Malka, on the floor at our house in Judea, we're on the cusp. Right. We're of, just about to switch over. Right. On Tisha B'Av. And yet at the same time, Tisha B'Av doesn't really stop at Tisha B'Av. It goes also into the 10th of Av a little bit. Like you still have. Right. And you and, don't eat meat. You don't, you don't wash your clothes still. You don't right. take the big fat showers yet. Right. And, we, and that's the time that we're living in. We're living exactly in Jewish history in that moment. We're living exactly in that moment where, where there's still so much bitterness and there's so much pain from the past. And yet yeah, it's, it's flipping. So, it's flipping. And it's just that's exactly the moment we're living in. So you got to hang on while it flips over. Well, speaking of flipping, uh, we haven't had uh, Rav Mike Foyer on for a while on the show. And I had the great pleasure of going live with him on Facebook yesterday. You can watch it if you want on my Facebook page. But we had a conversation about Tisha B'Av and about the state of affairs of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Uh, so here's the, the one and only, the great Rav Mike Foyer, uh, back with me. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back on the show. And uh, giving us, as usual, inspiration and preparation for the redemption. All right, folks. Shalom and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. And shalom and welcome to Rabbi Mike Foyer of Mike. Great to have you back on the show. Oh, it's been far too long, my friend. Far too long. Thank you for it having has. me. That's right. It has been too long. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little rusty at going live, but uh, okay, we're back. And uh, n- not a minute too early uh, because, um, well, gosh, you know, we have this, <laughs> we have this uh, situation in the country. Uh, and it is this, uh, it's kind of, uh, there's 
there's protests. There's protests in the street. There's a uh, effort to uh, change some of the uh, laws governing the judiciary of the country and its powers. And that has unleashed a huge wave of protests and tensions to the point that uh, today the J Post ran an article uh, talking about a new organization that has formed that's uh, promoting the split up of the state of Israel into new Israel and the state of Judea. And, and it was a very serious and long article with how to do it and how, how to move that forward. Uh, there's an organization promoting that. And uh, basically, the, the, the underlying theme is simple. The premise is simple. Uh, and that is that um, we are two different polities with two different sets of values. And if this course continues uh, without a course correction, uh, then it's going to lead to destruction. So better a nice divorce now than a civil war later. Uh, that's basically <laughs> basically the, the thinking. And not a minute too soon since uh, we're, we are now going to be commemorating Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, which is really commemorating the destruction of the first and second temples and many other calamities. Uh, but most of those calamities, you could point to uh, the infighting amongst the Jewish people. The Talmud in the famous story of the destruction of the temple talks about really the, the societal tensions, the hate, the baseless hate, and the um, bad decisions. I think the Talmud actually lays it out like there's some bad thinking about how do we manage our relationships, and they led to utter destruction. So, you know, right before uh, Tisha B'Av tonight, I wanted to reach out to you. Really, I was like, I was like, I got to talk to Rev Mike on air uh, about the, the situation that we're facing, and see. And the way I titled it is "Finding Strength Through the Ninth of Av," which is how do we how do we actually use it as a positive fulcrum, not only to say like, look, we did bad in the past. This is what led to destruction. And here we are again. More like, are there lessons that we can get out of the Ninth of Av historically that could give us strength in this tumultuous moment? Yeah, there are many. First of all, I think it's important just to put a finger on something that's happening here, which is, you know, the old saying that um, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme, right? That that, that we're a people that lives a rhythm of in those days, linearly speaking, at this time and this time of the year. And here we are on the 9th of Av, or close to it, in the, in the week of the 9th of Av. And we're once again living through the tension between what I might call uh, um, the mission orientation and the, and the present reality, right? And there's a tension between the mission orientation, whether you want to think of it as idealistic, whether you want to think of it as a sort of more, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, ideological and, and the present reality, which is like everyone has to live the way they are. So like the spies in the desert, there was a group of them who said, listen, life is good in the desert. We got God teaching Torah to Moses, Moses to us. We got the manna and the, in the water and listen things are complicated in there it's going to get messy it's going to get muddy our spiritual status will descend etc etc and you had Yoshua and Kalev who said okay true but we have a mission like like like, to, like we're, we're going somewhere this is the, we're not just a people we're not just a group hanging out trying to survive but we're actually trying to get somewhere and we see this repeat itself through time in, in arguments about the mission, indeed, we're part of that causeless hatred. I'm really into the idea of, of actually, instead of causeless hatred, but the costless hatred. And people like, they, they, I think that part of the challenge that what tears us apart is people think that hating one another um, doesn't have a price. You know, and I think that a lot of what's going on in the streets <clears throat> right now is it feels really good to hate your fellow Jew and, and people don't see the price. 
And last but not least, and this is the piece where I'd like to really push on where the hope lies, is that so-so finally in the state of Israel, we're talking about substance. Yeah, no, I, I heard you there. Sorry. Yeah, so, sorry, I lost you there for a second. And what you were saying was is that there's a cost, costless uh, hate. And that's, that's very true. You know, ironically, it could be that there's a costless hate uh, because of the um, bigness of the country. Right, Absolutely. just a lot of people, and you could just live a different life in Tel Aviv than you would here in, in Judea. And the size of the country, which is not that big, but it's big enough, and the, and the amount of people, and and you could tune into a different channel, and you can watch Channel Fourteen, which is right wing uh, nationalist, or you can watch Twelve, which is you know leans more towards the left, and maybe even towards some post Zionism, and. Um, you you don't you don't have to have that interchange anymore. It's like a you know there's like ten million people living in this country and seven and a half million Jews, which is a which is an awesome number. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, there was three million Jews. Now there's six and a half. Uh, gosh, what did I say? Is six and a half million? Jews? No, no, seven million seven. Jews. Right, seven plus million Jews here in the country. Yeah, the seven seven plus now. And so like that's a that's that's a you know that, that's a total shift. And I and <clears throat> when you sit here. Here's one of the differences, though. When you're in Judea, I could drive really five minutes from my house, and I could look down and see Tel Aviv, and I could see that it's in the palm of my hand. I could see that it's right there below, and it's part of my thing. If you go to Tel Aviv and you turn around, the mountains seem very far away. You're like, I don't know if I need this, and who needs this, and it's just a mess over there. In any case, uh, there uh, are you know sometimes you're a victim of success when when the town is small, you know everybody. And then you want it to grow. It grows big, but then it changes its character. And there's an element of that. Um, there's also can I, can I add a split there? Sure. Because there's an important image, I think, to understand what's happening right now. And when you're sitting in the middle of the yeshiva and you're learning Torah all day long with thousands of other Bechurim and you live in a neighborhood and a community where you're surrounded by that, it's easy to forget the the hardworking people who go to the army and, and uh, you know, and and drive large parts of the economy to, to create the context, the physical context of that learning. And the flip side is when you're out there in the army or you're in the, the work of the daily grind, you don't really have any idea, much less appreciation, for the thriving soul of Am Yisrael, which is being nurtured in the yeshiva. Right. So like, it, it's not just the size of the country, it's our tribal nature. But we, we, we really run in parallel tracks. And when that's healthy, it's a source of abundance and and adaptability and you know and, and diversity when it's not it's a real challenge okay and so so let me go back to the original question uh, uh, to you bring back the original question which is ninth of av tonight can we pick can we glean anything positive like it's not it's not you know it's not a positive night but it but it's got in it sewed into it a a certain positivity we learned that that the Tisha B'Av is also a holiday. It's got that potential of being a holiday. One day on the show, instead of saying we're commemorating Tisha B'Av, I'm going to be able to say we're celebrating Tisha B'Av. That's legal, right? And and then and that's and that's and that's baked in to the Tisha B'Av experience. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm sure that there's people that are going to really feel this year more than any other year that I remember, except for uh, that fateful year in 2005 of the disengagement, <clears throat> we really felt this way. We really felt this way. I want to tell you, I remember one of the most powerful memories that I have, and I have a few very powerful memories uh, from the Gaza disengagement, 
was that when we were kicked out of our house in Gaza uh, and we came home, it took weeks to be able to look at the army as a positive thing again. I remember the visceral inability to, to embrace them because of having been feeling like you know you, you were victimized. My point to you is that indeed, Tisha B'Av, I felt once upon a time in 2005 how, 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 how painful that, uh, that, that the, the, the rift in the Jewish people was. And here we are again. And I, I really do think that this Tisha B'Av, a lot of people are like feeling it. They're feeling it. So what do you think about that? Is there a way to, to use it as a healing for Tisha B'Av? Or is this one of those things where we're like, we are so dumb, we're doing it once again. We're rifting once again. I want to put I want to I want to put a note that we need to come back to this relationship to to the expulsion from Gush Katif. I think it's very important. But before I do, I want to say that in my eyes, the avoda of Tisha B'av, the spiritual practice, is facing the brokenness of the world without filters. Mm-hmm. One day of the year, not to distract ourselves, not to to focus on the positive and the potential redemptive, because you're entirely correct. This is going to be a celebration. Not to not to put up the filters of it's it's meant to be or it's going to be okay, and and certainly not to you know um, sort of literally distract ourselves with things. It's not easy in voda to sit and do nothing other than to look at the brokenness in my life, in my family, in my people, in the world. That is the primary avoda, in my humble opinion. And why is that redemptive? Because the world is a broken place. And on one hand, we can take comfort from that because we can understand our struggles. If the world is a broken place, then the expectation of wholeness and perfection and achievement and et cetera that we often have is an important one, but we shouldn't, shouldn't feel like failures if we haven't gotten there yet. On the other hand, until we can see the brokenness for what it is, we'll never have a prayer of fixing it. And in and, and, and that note, it's very important to note that you know, Israel, I mean, the Jews are just like everybody else, only, only more so, right? The world is going through many very difficult struggles around the fundamental questions that even our political discourse is around. Where does power reside in society, right? What do you do with the tension between the sort of uh, universalist, globalist citizen of the world stance and the more ethnic, tribal sense of solidarity and rootedness? And you and I have discussed this many times, but, but that's a good sign ultimately this is where the rift lies and this is the source of pain that it indicates that we are, we're starting to get past the superficial toward the truly problematic and it's scary and it's painful and i'm going to say right now i don't think we're done by a long shot no with this crisis i don't think we're done by a long shot and and, and so can i if, if i can i want to make the bridge back to because i also have a very powerful memory i you know I didn't make it into Gush Katif. You guys got down there well before us. I was still politically naive at the time. But I did go with a good friend and managed to get as close to, to Kisufim before they just chucked us on police buses and drove us back to Ofakim. It's like a little bit of funny memory. It's like the army basically didn't even bother arresting us. Drove us back to Ofakim and they're like, if you want, you can walk again. <laughs> like, you know, good, you know, 10, 12 kilometers in that heat. Um, and I came home and watched grown men cry. Grown Israeli settler men, for those who don't appreciate how unlikely it is to see them crying in a public atmosphere, because their life was falling apart in that moment. The whole momentum of their belief structure, of their daily actions, of their communities, and it was incredibly painful. And yes, 
weeks, I think, is a generous number for, for what it took to feel normal. But, but you never heard, past a fringe or a whisper, the idea of giving up, the idea of giving up on society, the idea that, that, that we were something other than Israeli society, because in the fabric of the people that we're dealing with was an essential commitment to mission and peoplehood, which are inseparable. And, and, and a lot of the ways that, that we need to move forward right now is to find the ways in which those who feel that they've lost out, those who feel their identity threatened, those who feel that something has been broken, that we can offer them the simple human comfort of saying, you know, life goes on and, and the future belongs to those who build. The future belongs so, to those who have children and build institutions and, and maintain the hopefulness of connection. And the illusion that you're going to split the state of Israel into Judea and Israel, which is not a new notion, even in our current iteration, um, but is, is, is foolish beyond belief. Because that's like saying we're going to get divorced, but we're going to, you, you can have the living room, I'll take the kitchen. Let's face it, for as much as you said, yeah, it's fantastic how big the land is and how wealthy and powerful we are. But bottom line, it's not like this. It's like this, you know? You know and, and like... And not to mention, of course, there's a several active elements in there that, let's just say, don't have our interest or unity or best, you know, you know, best interest at heart, you know. Well, well, that's, well, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. You know, um, we we if if you read the stories of the destruction of the Second Temple, you see that there were elements in society, and they were really the extremist elements. Um, I find today, look from from I'm going to say my political from my political perspective, I see. Folks on the left being on the more uh, extreme side of things, I'm sure that they would think and say that that the, the people that I represent are more on the political extreme. Uh, but but there is an extreme without 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 the negative connotation of extreme. You're right. both the extreme in the sense that you stand for for ideological positions, which are at the margins of the polity. Right, that's right. Uh, but 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 I wasn't just talking about positions. I'm talking about I actions. Know. Uh, you know, when, when you're shutting down the country actively, um, well, you know, it's like it's and, and, and the Talmud, it's very interesting because the Talmud is like as opposed to, uh, let's say, a more Breslov type language, which says, you know, God is in control of everything. God is doing everything. The, the Talmud's like bad decisions yeah. will take down society. Um, and Anybody I feel like thinks that, otherwise is not reading history. Right. Or the Bible. Right. right. Um in any case, uh, right now there's just this moment where, uh, where there are elements of society that 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 are promoting a rift. I, I, that's what I, my sense is. That's the, there's and there's constant language like that. There's a promotion of the rift, uh, and a lot of you know a lot of scary language. And it's it's become clear to anybody that this is not about the judicial reform. Judicial reform is the is the is the catalyst for the for the argument, but that's not what it's about. It's really about this government. It's really about the 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 as as um there was a great picture of this family that a big family, a uh, young family with a lot of kids and you know the the posters on the left say democratia, democracy. Right. So they held up a poster that said demographia, right? Which is demography. That's what I said. <laughs> Is the future belongs to those who have children and build institutions, right. and and you we can we can discuss the ideological mm -hmm. extremes, we can discuss the real voices that are really seem to be stoking a desire for violence and conflict, which by the way were there during Gush Katif as well, not mm -hmm. amongst those of us who are being 
punished and persecuted but amongst the do you remember the calls like there's gonna be civil war there'll be bloodshed as if the media wanted us to act that way right. and it was the spiritual leadership of gush katif specifically the spiritual leadership of gush katif as well as the average person who said no we refuse right and 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 that's and that will be a mark of pride for the jewish people forever you know, uh, um, on, the, on, on the one hand, yes. But on the other hand, when I look back at Gush Katif, frankly, I'm going to share with you a very, you know, like, I, I, I think I know what you're going to say. Go for it. I, I, I'm going to say that I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, wow, they, uh, you if know, they we really, had done yeah, this. Right. And and I, w I was advocating for that, not for civil, uh, you know, not for battling too much, but 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 for saying, no, we will not allow this to happen and we will stop this. And when I look at Gaza today, I think to myself, gosh, I wish we were stronger because we were. Here's, here's something you don't get to hear a lot in history. We were right. We were right. This was a, a disastrous thing to do, and it was obvious to us. Similar okay, to Oslo. Um, that's right. That's right. Let, let's, let's shift gears for just one second. Oh, just to make it clear for people, tonight people are coming to the Western Wall. Tomorrow morning, lots of thousands of people are going to go up on the Temple Mount in the heat uh, during the fast day. There's going to be a lot of that. There was some articles that said that some restaurants are purposefully opening tonight in tel aviv in order to show protest <laughs> there's some <laughs> you know it's like a protest against god type thing yeah, uh but one of the things that at least for me brings me back down to a safe place a safe space if you will is the torah okay and even though the torah is not always totally you know kind and it's not always uh, it, the torah is i mean to say you know some of the predictions and the statements are harsh still though this torah portion is a is a, a torah portion that has a lot of consolation in it. Uh, it starts with the fact that uh, uh, that Moses is denied uh, the right of going to the land of Israel. But within that, you learn what is the yearning of a Jew for the land of Israel. Like how much, if Moses yearns so much, how much more so should we yearn or appreciate the opportunity of being in this good land? That's what you learn from that. The whole the whole Torah portion is called Ve'et Hanan, and I beg God, what did he beg God for? To go into the land of Israel. Uh, and so it's like, wow, if Moses, our great prophet, wanted so much to go to the land of Israel, how much more so should we be so thankful? And that's such a missing component right now is to be more thankful, more loving, more more charitable with, with, with the other, given this great opportunity. Uh, but then the Torah portion also goes into the famous uh, uh, rereading of, uh, uh, of the Ten Commandments. You know what? Before I get to that with you, Rav Mike, I just want to say that Shaul is welcoming you back. And he says, he says, Mike is back, smiley face. Okay, so thank you, Shaul. And Yaakov is welcoming me. And he says, hi, Yishai. And then, <laughs> and then our good friends, that's right. And then our good friends, uh, Michael and Anna, say, just like old times, welcome back, Mike. Uh, but Shaul also adds, but I miss Malka also. You can get Malka on the podcast. She's there. Um, and, and so does uh, uh, Michael and, and, and Anna Marie. They're also saying, oh, Malka needs her own show. You got it. Uh, and then we got blessings. And a pay raise. That's right. And, and uh, Yochanan says, blessings from New Zealand. I first heard and met you six years ago, Yishai, when you made a speech after the walk around the old city. It's a very good speech. It was a great speech. And that speech <laughs> is you, constantly. If you do say so yourself. No, because that speech <laughs> is being constantly uh, re-put re up by the, uh, the, the, the Yishai haters on the left. I made some pretty strong comments there, and they still use that a lot. And our really? good friend Lou and Lou, we ask you if the audios sound good, if it looks visually good. Lou says Shalom, Ishai, and Rav Mike. He produces our show, helps us out when we're uh, when we're when we're live. 
Uh, so, well, we'll look at it. And, and everybody's popping in. Here's Johnny. He says, love you guys. Stay strong. Stay happy. Stay healthy. That's good advice uh, for the ninth of Av. Okay, so how do we tie in Ved Hanan, this Torah portion that gives you uh, this um, uh, second chance to hear the story of the Bible, filling in a lot of historical details from a different angle. But here we have the Ten Commandments coming in. For me, I, I'll just my 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 one sentence is, it's given me a lot of chizuk today to read this. It's giving me a lot of strength to just read these letters, these words of the Ten Commandments. It gives me a sense that there is a uh, truth that is non fungible, uh, um, even though it could be seen in many ways in you know seventy faces of the Torah. But there is a truth out there, and that truth will win through the vicissitudes of this you know very divisive time in which in which you're really told that your truth is not truth and somebody else's truth is truth. And you're like, I don't know what really truth is. I'm like, it gives me a lot of nachat to look at the Ten Commandments today. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I, I agree with you. And in, in many ways, um, that's one of the core questions at issue is, are there immutable standards by which we as a people need to function or not? Mm -hmm. and, and is there a divine relationship of commandedness that stands behind that, meaning before we get into what the standards are, because we can have immutable standards that um, come from, you know, natural law. We can have immutable standards that come from wise judges. We should merit such, you know. Um, but but the core assertion of the Torah is that God believes our actions matter and therefore commanded us to act in certain ways. And and but even before I get there, to me, you know, what came up for me when you asked what's the what's the strength that we can draw from this week's parsha, aside from the strength that you, as you pointed out that we can just draw from. Torah itself, as I tell my kids all the time, there's no promise to you and I. There's a promise to Am Yisrael. There's a promise to Am Yisrael that's never going to end. That, like you said, according to the sages, it doesn't in any way relieve you and I of our challenge, our responsibility for decision making and the consequences of our action, but we can take comfort in the fact there is a promise. Right? And, and in that, it's the line that jumped out for me is, those of you who cleave to the Lord your God are al all alive today. Let's remember, that's a statement of Moshe saying, oh, remember the mistake you made back the first ninth of Av? Right, when you split with each other and you couldn't agree on the mission and it led to wandering aimlessly in the desert and you all died off, right? Because the mission is going to happen one way or another. The question is, is whether that generation was going to be there for it. Those of you who stuck with God you're still on the mission. You're alive today. And that's what life is. Choose life doesn't just mean take care of yourself and eat well and exercise, which it also does. But it, it means attach yourself to that which is living. By the way, there is and, a and verse in this week's Parsha. There is a verse specifically about health, and that's called Vinishmat Right. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that specifically yeah, yeah. is about there is a there is a verse in this because the uh, just just an interesting thing that you're pointing out that like there is a lot of spirituality, but then there's a minute there where God's like a, a, a healthy a mind. What, what is it? A strong mind and a healthy body, whatever it is. The point is, is that. And no bungee jumping. That's right. No bungee jumping. We're not going to get into that. But but the point is, is that uh, you do, you know, the Torah says to you, like, I, I need you to be healthy in order for, for your spirit to, your spirit will enliven you and keep you healthy, but keep that body healthy so that the spirit can exist within this body. And, and that, you know, and. That could be writ large as well, which is like have a, have a healthy spirituality uh, within and, within a strong nation. And to that, I really want to add another piece of practical um, advice, if I dare, which is stay away from the catastrophic thinking that takes over people 
when their trauma kicks in. A lot of, I mean, I when listening to former President Ruby Rivlin, who's someone I really respect and, and, and appreciated when he was president, say we have 24 hours to save our precious country. He, like, what, what, what are you serving in that moment? Like, it's first of all, just simply not true. Even if you believe that the, the one piece of the judicial reform that was passed is, is an awful gateway to dictatorial fascism. Okay, fine. And I can, I, can, I can hear it. I can hear it. No, I really, I can hear it. I can hear it. I spend more time with those folks than you do, right? I can hear it. Fine. But you don't have 24 hours to save our precious country. A piece of legislation is going to pass, and there's a political process. And if with the energy that – admirable, admirable energy, aside from the violence. Admirable energy that the left has mustered in the streets. It's impressive to keep uh, mass protests going for, for months, you know? So with that kind of admirable energy, there's a future. You could get organized. We're like, you know, this is what we did after Gush Katif, remember, is that, is that the other direct connection between where we are today and what happened in 2005 is that after having chosen not to do that absolutist, you know, block the streets, et cetera, what happened is we organized, got more political, you know, gathered support, and lo and behold, there's a government. Love it. Hate it. That's an important m- message. It's like, okay, you, you suffered a defeat. Well, drop back and rally. Don't fall into the simplistic childish desire to speak catastrophically and dest- and therefore destroy. What, what, where does that come from, though? With optimism. Where does that come? I, I, it's trauma. Yeah. It is, it is you're, trauma. You're it is a, trauma. It is trauma. I'm telling you now as a counselor, when people catastrophize and totalize, when they take one incident and they make it into the sum total of their their being, their experience, the future, it is one of the I would say simane muvhak. It's one of the the most apparent signs of trauma response, right? And and there's enormous trauma in our society from any number of directions. A lot of which is, of course, clinical PTSD because of the number of combat soldiers, terror survivors, etc. That we have aside from the trauma of Jewish existence, bichlal and you know, chewing on the Holocaust, and, and and it is trauma. You know, I had a beautiful conversation with my dear friend Rabbi Aaron Leibowitz recently, and he pointed out that 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 activism depends on optimism, and trauma needs catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and and that's why that's why the real activists on the right and the left are going to move out of this crisis and say, "Wow, we got a lot of work to do. Let's start to do it. Let's." Whether it's political, whether it's social, whether it's building relationships, whether it's repairing society, whether it's taking over. I don't know. That, but there's an optimistic sense we have worked it. The people who are traumatized and frozen by their trauma will catastrophize. It's over. We're leaving. I, 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 I also wonder whether a media has uh, an, outsized, um, an outsized influence on creating this catastrophic atmosphere. Because when you go outside, things are not catastrophic. You're like, everything's fine. It's and and there's something about yesterday between the hours of four and seven. (laughs) Malka and I, you know, a lot of times think that if you just like turn off the TV and the Twitter for like for like a week, you'll feel much better. I have friends who actually it's almost like they're totally disconnected. You know, when I was a kid, I moved to America, and uh, the thing that completely shocked me was uh wwf wrestling i was just like what is, what is this? this what is this? so and american it's like, 
Right. And I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, they know everybody knows it's fake, but they you can tell, it. but they love it. And I'm just like, is this a, I, I, I was, and I was amazed by that. I was amazed by the, by the, I was, I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't watch it. Uh, but, but the few times that I saw it, I was just like, wow, that is crazy stuff. And I feel like there's a WWFness out there sometimes, which is like, well, you know, to create this, this, this atmosphere of, of tension. Um, Go ahead. Well, don't forget uh, uh, the media is a business, and and what sells is outrage, right? And, and 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 I might even go so far to say that what is happening now is is you'll forgive the term, but outrage porn, right? The the the, the media has discovered that it doesn't even have to cover outrage anymore; it can manufacture it, and 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 it can become a powerful, powerful driver for its own financial and and social position. Media is remember media is its own its own power base within society, and just like every other business, its primary purpose is to make enough money to survive and thrive. There are that doesn't mean that every media uh, okay, every but you know newspaper uh, is a cynic, but that's the purpose of the 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 organism. Okay, but but you know, but like, but you know, let's say you're you're a store that makes sandwiches. You could, if you want to, uh, stick in some kind of uh, addictive spice so people come back to you, or you could be like, look, my job is to make sandwiches and to make sure that everybody's happy and make good sandwiches. Like it's like you can't, you can't, you 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 can't, you know, make products that that are immoral and destructive, and say, look, that's business. Right, you you, 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 you want to create, I mean, you know, real you good can't. decent products, destructive uh, societal mode. That's just that's not right. Okay, but but look but look at the the example you're using. Go look say at that, the and uh, energy. Go ahead. Say look at the example. You go look at the energy drinks that are being sold in stores. The the the, the crud that passes for food. Uh, not even to talk about the fact that the cigarette industry is still going strong. You know, so the, apparently you can, and apparently right. there's something within human society that desires it. Because it's easy to blame the media, but at the end of the mm -hmm. day, if we all said, like you said, if we all said, "Uh, I'm not going to consume that junk," it would change the model. Right. Um, we have one more verse. Um, well, I'd like to think. I'd like to think that. I wish. I wish we would demand from our media, to um, to 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 feed us good stuff, to feed us healthy. Positive stuff, it's the, and uh, it's the first we need to my demand friend, it of ourselves. Yeah, my friend Pinchas says, for example, about this time, he's like, he keeps saying to our group, he says, "Don't succumb to the, don't do divisiveness, don't do it, don't do it, because that's what the that's what the enemies want." That's what he says. It's a very interesting point. He's like, "Don't argue so much, like let it go, don't go into it, and don't." Get there was a video. There was a video, by the way. There was a video that uh, that brought actual. Tears flowing off my eyes uh, yesterday. <laughs> I tell you, I really like, and 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 some people poo pooed it. The cynics like totally poo pooed this video. But basically, there was this right, so, right. So they poo poo. So this uh, this 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 guy is standing out there in front of a shopping area, and he's like, and he goes up to people and he goes, um, "Are you for or against judicial reform?" So the guy says, "I'm for it." So he goes, "I'm against it," but can I still have a hug? And the, and the Israelis are like, yeah, absolutely. And they give a hug. And then he's like, can I give you this wine and chocolate? And then he keeps going to the next one. And the guy, and he says, are you for or against judicial reform? The guy says, against. He goes, well, I'm for it. 
can I still have a hug? And the guy's like, yeah, absolutely. And he gives him a hug. And, he, and, the, and the first guy says, can I give you this chocolate and, and, and wine? And then the third time he does it again. But this time he, at the end, he reveals to the guy, he's like, I'm actually not for or against it. Like I'm really for, 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 for unity. It was a very beautiful video and the cynics laughed at it, but I thought it was a very beautiful video. And I think other people did as well. What was really moving was not even the guy. That's not what even moved me. A guy who's like in that mode, I can, I can understand. Sure. What moved me was the people's reaction, which is, was like, yeah, I'll give you a hug, my brother. And I was just like, it just, it stopped me. I was just like, wow, that was so touching, you know, uh, that there's, there's this really behind the media and, 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 and the radicals, there's just a lot of love in the nation. Speaking of love, speaking of love, there is uh, uh, one verse in this week's Torah portion, which can be, can be described as the central version of, uh, verse of Judaism. One could say that it could be the central verse of Judaism. There's really two of them, but the first one is Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is our God, Hashem Echad, God is one. Uh, and that is uh, when, when my wife's grandfather was, uh, was in the camps, um, a, Russian, uh, a Russian officer came to rescue, to liberate the camp, and he was in dire straits. And the Russian officer says to him, Ich bin a Yid, I'm also a Jew. And then he says to him, Shema Yisrael, the phrase, to identify himself. So it was like, a, it was like the way that this Russian officer on a horse spoke to my wife's grandfather who was like in a ditch and about to die and he told him you know shema israel uh so it's a very central phrase and it encompasses within it like the first commandments i am god you shall not have any other gods before me but i personally find a lot of strength in the next verse which i think is like the compass of of being a jew it says vahavta et hashem elokecha love hashem your god with all of your heart with all of your soul with everything you got with your possessions with your with your worldliness shall we say yeah. that's a very yeah, strong phrase and what really you. right and the word and you know what you know what the you know what the key there to me is the three beholes with all of it like love Hashem with all of your heart with all of your soul like don't leave a part that's out like with your good side and your bad side just love Hashem with all of that with everything I find that to be extremely how should I say I know I don't want to say the wrong thing here um well, comforting. I find it comforting because then I'm just it, it. It sets my compass in life. I'm like, God wants me to love Him with everything I got, and and when you have that, you're like, okay. So my vacations, I do it with the love of God. My, you know, if I'm if I'm angry at at, at my spouse, I got to remember that. If I'm if I'm thankful for having a great sandwich, it's got to have the whole heart and the whole soul and the whole stuff. It's got to be filled with the love of Hashem. I find that to be very comforting. I mean, it's a powerful call, and it's obviously a parallel to Vahafta Lerecha Kemocha, right? Loving our 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 fellows, and and in that sense, one is an expression of the other, and we could we could look either way. Meaning, the Jewish people are the vessel for the presence of God in the world. Therefore, if you love God, you have to love the Jewish people, right? And 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 and, uh, and God is the creator of all, and brought us into the land and gave us our mission. Therefore, if you love if you love the Jewish people, you gotta love God, you know. Like, and so, in this sense, it's a, it's a call to action, right? So it's not just comforting, but it's it's guidance, and and also I think that the Messir nefesh that you're pointing out, the sense that one needs to sort of go beyond even their limited capacities and just give it all, you know, leave it all on the field, like they say. I think is an important general principle for today. Now is not the time to hold back, right? right. 
not time to hold back with, with one's love and commitment. It's, you know, and that's unfortunately many of these calls for breakup and separation and the sort of very childish calls for civil war. I think a lot of it is, is actually people who are tired and don't, and don't want to struggle with each other anymore. You go your way, I'll go mine. It's an illusion. It may be a tempting illusion, but it's an illusion. Because love is very demanding. It's Erev Tisha B'Av. It's just the uh, eve of the ninth of Av, a time when really the call of the hours to face the brokenness. And not to face the brokenness as um, just as a source of pain, but really as a source of opportunity. Uh, Rav Mike, it's great to have you back on the show, first thing. Uh, second thing is that two little things. First, Shmuel Goldman, our good friend uh, from uh, the north of Israel, from the Golan, uh, says uh, amen to something that we said earlier. But I wanted to just follow up. Last week's show was dedicated uh, in honor of the memory uh, of our mutual friend, uh, his wife, uh, uh, Leah Goldman, is before she passed away. I thank God Shmuel's got remarried, and uh, he's been a, a great blessing to us in both of our lives. And we, we uh, one more time, remember Alec Goldman and the strong life that she led. Uh, it was her, mm-hmm. She was taken, from our perspective, uh, too quickly, from God's perspective, just on time. Uh, but we miss her a lot. And we, uh, uh, her spirit still infuses the Golan Heights and uh, in our lives in this show as well. Uh, so just wanted to say that. Um, and I want to also say, oh, I also want to ask you a question from Lou Weiss. Lou says, Yisha and Rav Mike. I have chosen not to shop at stores that closed down the other day because they closed for purely political reasons and have now chosen to purchase at stores that stayed open. How would you justify my stance morally? I mean, I don't know why I need to justify your stance morally. Well, how um, would you if, you if you if you had to? How would you? Or wouldn't you? I, I, I would be hesitant, really, to... Because I think it's just it feeds more of the divisiveness. Meaning, if 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 you feel it was problematic that they shut down because of their political reasons, then why is it any less problematic that you choosing to give your your uh, custom to one store as opposed to the other because of your political? Re- I mean, there there's two sides of the same coin. If one is right, then I'm not sure why the other one wouldn't be. I can well, empathize because because be, wait be, wait wait because I'm a, I'm a customer and I don't want my store you know uh, to to take a political stance. And if it does, it's like okay, I'm I'm like not reading that newspaper. I'm I'm not I'm not. That's, I don't. That's, I that's fine. But feel, do you see that's the exact same thing. That, fine, but that's the exact same. The store thing. The store did. The store said we're we are a, a financial entity owned by you know private or public individuals, and we want to show solidarity with what we believe is right. So we're going to shut down. So you're, you're just both doing the same thing. Either you're both mm. right or you're both wrong. From my perspective, you're both using your economic power to further your political views, which I don't think is necessarily wrong, but to call one different than the other is not so apparent to me. Okay, well, so so therefore you're saying... It's, it's right now, I, it's like, I, are I, you saying, therefore, don't do it, or are you saying... I don't think that it's the, the enhancement you know what I mean? is... I, I think right now, you know, I, I tell you this is a, a general principle. I think that the biggest mistake the leadership of the right has made of over the last six to eight months is is not to appreciate the position of power within which we found ourselves and to like in a in a hurried and even dare i say somewhat piggish fashion try to like make make a new reality as opposed to having a sense of like okay we had a victory it was a significant victory and it's if one looks just at the demographics and the cultural arc it's probably the beginning of a potential shift you know let's let's move with wisdom 
let's move with a sense of care for society. That's not what's happened. There's There's been a rush for power and a lack of appreciation to the consequences. And that's really in many ways why we are where we are. And so therefore, well, I, let me I, just finish the thought. I, I and therefore, be... to continue to feed the divisiveness in any way mm-hmm. in the long run is a mistake. Because what we mm-hmm. want is a, hun- a country that, that hangs together. Right. Right. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes, you know, you don't want to be bullied anymore, right? You don't want to be bullied. Like, like remember really what we said earlier, like in Gush Katif, well, in Gush Katif, I felt bullied and I, I felt that we didn't do enough to protest that bullying. Like we under yeah. it. We, we underused our, our own power. It's a tough question. It's really a tough question. Interestingly, just coincidentally this morning, I wasn't feeling so good. So my, my wife asks me, you know, when I need to relax, what do I do? So she, she's like, what are you watching on YouTube? And I was watching World War I documentary that, that I find relaxing sometimes to, to, to hear about. Uh, that's, that's, I don't know what to tell you. I just, sometimes I watch good you know, documentaries about war and, and it's interesting to me. One of the things that was very interesting in this documentary, which was well done by PBS, is that they talked about the preamble to World War I. There was all these protests. One of them was communism, socialism. And the other one was actually the suffrage movement was very destabilizing. Uh, in, uh, uh, in, in in the UK, in Britain in yeah. particular, yeah, yeah, it was very interesting. I didn't, I, I never tied that into World War One, but they tied it in. Interesting, they were engaged in what we would call terrorist acts. I mean, there were bombs. Right. There were, yeah, know, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they, were, you know, and the, and there's this video, hunger of this strikes, one lady. mass arrests, right? And this one lady ran into the Derby and got killed by by the king's horse. I believe, and, it. and you know, yeah. just just uh, just uh, point to make... is that. The attention, right. yeah, yeah. So I, I thought to myself, gosh, you know, there there are times when, you know, when there are times when you when you when you're fighting for something and you go all out. I know that my parents' generation was liberated uh, from the Soviet Union because of American Jewish uh, actions against uh, the Soviet Union uh, and protests that a lot of people are getting arrested at and stuff. So you know, sometimes sometimes it's justified and sometimes it's not justified, and, and it's it's hard to know the line. It's hard to know the line. Uh, but I I guess in this case. Um, I don't know. I guess what in this case? How do how do we find out what the line is uh, of 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 legitimate use of power, economic protest, uh, government power? Like like you said that the government was in a rush to power. I think it probably came not exactly from a rush to power, but more from a sense of we're not really in power. So if we can actually get a little bit of done here, that would be great because we're not going to be here for that long because we're used to being kind of second class and not so powerful. And so, okay, I'm going to rush to, to get some legislation done. Yes, but I think that that's misreading the arc of, of history here. Like I said, the future belongs to those who have children and build institutions. Mm-hmm. And if you look within our society, you can see very clearly who's doing that. And, and it would behoove us to think about what victory looks like. If for God's sake, if we can't think about what victory looks like with our enemies, can we at least think about what it looks like with our brothers? You know, like it's, it's been one of the biggest problems that we face right. you know, in, in the last 80 years here in the land. We cannot conceive of what victory looks like. Can we at least look, think about what it looks like as an internal social construct? I, I have I have a, I have a uh, what I think is a clue into what victory. That's a great. I love how you phrase that, which is victory amongst ourselves. What it looks like to me, uh, after thinking about this for a while, I came to the conclusion that victory looks like uh, Zvulun and Issachar, uh, Zeb- Zebulun and Issachar, right? This like t- duo where one is an economic power and the other one is a spiritual power, and they learn to actually work well together and to share Remember each it was other's consensual. gifts. 
Right. Absolutely consensual. consensual. I'm saying that 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 is a beautiful vision of 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 there's the Tel Aviv and there's Jerusalem. And it's actually the dialectic between these two polarities, which is the beautiful thing about Israel. We could sell it like that, like Israel. Remember how they used to say about Lebanon, you ski in the morning and, and surf in the in the afternoon. Israel. I didn't you know they said that about Lebanon, but yeah, yeah, it used to be Beirut. They used to say it about Beirut. Beirut used to be when before it was destroyed, it was the city that you could in the morning you could go skiing on the on the Lebanese mountains, and in the evening you could be on the beach in the Mediterranean, and 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 it coexisted. Like here, you could be in Jerusalem, you could be you could have spirituality in the morning, and you could have uh, high tech and nightlife at night from the Temple Mount to the surfing. Right. Okay. Yes. 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 You can have this. It has this polarity. You have the modern and and the and the and the and the innovative and then you have the conservative and the spiritual and they and they coexist together in, in in a beautiful nation that has both of these elements and they actually are nice both of the elements are nice that that's really to to love each other to like each other's different elements a little bit more i think would be in a, a, in a better shape and remember the key ingredient to love at that point is respect we're going to go Absolutely. into it right now but you know the great social psychologist eric from Define the, the process of love as moving from care to responsibility to respect to knowledge. And one of the biggest problems we face in our society, and I'll just speak for a sort of unstational menu for us on the right, is we have a hard time respecting sometimes the, 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 the part of the country that's not like us. And they certainly have a hard time respecting us. And therefore, when you can't respect another, when I say respect, see them as something unto themselves and not as what you need them to be or what you're going to, then you can't know them. And that's the biggest problem is we, we're in danger of not knowing each other any longer. So working on respect right now, I think, is a very important call in the moment. Very good. Very good. Very strong words. Uh, uh, just, just an idea that I had. Instead of a protest in Tel Aviv, let's go out in tents to the big park in Tel Aviv and make Shabbat. Imagine if we just did Shabbat with singing and chalant and the whole thing. Let's go out and, and share the Shabbat with our brothers. That's something that brings us together. Instead of a protest movement, we have a Shabbat movement. We got we to, gotta, that's just one idea, one way of which we yeah. can like use this time right now to generate a, a different atmosphere. Rev. Oh, Mike man. Foyer, thank you so much for joining us here on the Ishai Fleischer Show on the 9th of Av. Uh, people can connect to you in other ways. Tell us the yes. ways that they can connect to you. Uh, RevMike.com is probably the best way. I mean, Jewish Story, I've, I've finished it, but it's still there at jewishstory.co. Stay tuned for the Jewish Heroism Project, which is the next phase of the work that I'm engaged in. I'm pretty excited about it. There'll be more to say about that uh, probably, you know, a- after Elul. And um, stay tuned. I got uh, some Elul webinars coming up. If people want to sign up, you can always send me an email at robmikeboyer at gmail.com or just go to robmike.com. Very good. I don't know and our good friend Erica... The show wouldn't be uh, around without Erica. It wouldn't be complete without Erica. And Erica uh, says from far away, from uh, from far away uh, Scandinavia, she says, Shalom, rabbis. Great to see you live again. Have an easy fast. Thank you very much, Erica. And God bless you. Amen. God bless you, folks, uh, uh, wherever you are. Look, wait, wait, one more. Shal says, wasn't it amazing that people walked from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem as a trial walk for the Aliyah Regal? That's right. I missed that. And Erica is from Sweden. I was right, but I didn't remember for sure. So that's why she's from Sweden. And uh, Rav Mike, I want to thank you again. And God bless you. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. Stay part of it. And stay positive. We're going to get through this challenging time with Hashem's help. He didn't bring us back here uh, to see us get destroyed. We are going to go through this trauma in this period and, and rebuild and make it even stronger and make the light of Israel, the light of Hashem, 
I come from Jerusalem to the world. That's 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 the promise. And that's actually what's happening here. Even though there's some cracks, those cracks are going to lead to the birth, a rebirth uh, of the Jewish people in the land of Israel and, and Hashem's presence in Zion. Rav Mike, thank you so Amen. much for being with us. It's a pleasure. All right, we're back, Malka, on the Yishai Fleischer Show. Tisha B'Av, we're sitting on the floor soon to be getting up. Uh, you know where else is fun to sit? On a bicycle. It's fun to sit on a bicycle seat and to see the land of Israel and to see the good land that God created all over this world, doing it in a kosher way. Not, kosher and style, not kosher style. Kosher and style. KosherCycleTours.com. Uh, you will have an amazing trip and you will breathe fresh air, be on a great bicycle, eat kosher food, dive in a minion and see the good land in, in, in the world. So that's KosherCycleTours.com. And of course, Malka, uh, we have two more sponsors of the show uh, uh, two more groupings. One is JNS.com, uh, excuse me, JNS.org and JewishPress.com. This will fill your mind with healthy, healthy news, healthy news, true news, including what I read today, which is that on JNS.org, which is a beautiful coin, was found a rare uh, coin with everything kind of spelled out. Later on, they changed the spelling a little bit on the coins that are subsequent, but it said, for holy Yerushalayim, without like squishing the the vowel letters and just spelled out. What does that mean, squishing the vowel? Like sometimes letters? they cut out like like Yerushalayim. You could write like, Yerushalayim. Yeah, you could, you don't like need that. all that stuff. You can do it with with Nikud instead of this was fully spelled out. Beautiful coin. You see the rimonim, the the pomegranates. Right, it's it was gorgeous. Just found it's in such and, an incredible condition. Yes, and it was found in Ein Gedi. Wow, uh, in Ein Gedi, and there's a big dig there. And so I saw that today in JNS.org today, and I put it out on Twitter, and people were like, yes. I'm like, today we found this coin that says we were here and that we're all about Holy Yerushalayim. So that's for Tisha B'Av. I mean, I think that the folks at the archaeology peoples, the, um, the Antiquities Authority and Ir David and all that, they always release right, these at finds the right at, the, at, right. the, at the time where you're like, oh, that touched my that. heart. That's exactly, I needed that. So that's exactly right. Um, so JNS.org, JewishPress.com. And of course, if you want to touch it yourself, how can I not go on today's show and not talk about going up to the Temple Mount itself? Highontheheart.com will take you in holiness to the Temple Mount, along with thousands of people that are beginning, beginning this Aliyah revolution. That's right. The Aliyah revolution keeps going. The Aliyah revolution keeps going. And now the Aliyah revolution is about the Temple Mount. That's the Aliyah revolution. We're going up to the Temple Mount. Ooh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about using that term for for Aliyah Revolution. Uh, and of course, if you want to get to the root of it all, come to the Hebron, come to the Jewish community of Hebron. Malka, I got a chance to to guide. NCSY, Malka, came in with like, I don't know, must have been 2,000 maybe more young people came on, and of all religious spectrum, came just on, on, on Wednesday. It was on, it was a Wednesday, or, today's Thursday, right? On on, excuse me, on Tuesday, they came in a huge amount of these NCSY young people came to the Tomb of the Mamas and the Papas and to Hebron, and it was just one of the most moving. Hats uh, off moving to days. you, NCSY. That's right, NCSY Jolt, NCSY Kolel, NCSY, they got a million, a TJJ, they got a million different program awesome names. programs. All of them are great, it, I'm sure. It was just amazing. So uh, if you want to come to Hebron, please do hebronfund.org forward slash tour. And of course, uh, it's very strong to support us there. And if you're looking to buy an apartment, MyHebron.co.il. We are selling awesome apartments. MyHebron.co.il. That's MyHebron.co.il. That's the. I mean, owning an apartment, and not, we're not even talking about some like super old school, built in 1890, you know, half breaking type of thing. We're talking about like gorgeous new 
with all the like latest nice niceitudes apartments. That's right. In Hebron. Mm-hmm. When is the last time that happened? Uh, last time we had that, a new- that people were able to buy apartments like that. Uh, 2005. Uh, no, 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 no. There's never been an apartment. Uh, we finished you building finished an apartment. building apartments, but they were owned by the Yishuv, which means right. they just rented out. But That's this right. is the first time, Ever. like, like, you can in, buy like since the state of Israel, that That's you right. can own an apartment And in it's Hebron. in Tabu, which means that you are getting it's title. It's like written down for real. That's right. Myhebron.co.il is to buy a new apartment that in Hebron. That sounds awesome. And Hebron If you'd like to org. skip buying us a coffee and just buy us an apartment, that'd be also fun. But if you don't want to skip buying us a coffee, just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash We really appreciate it. I have to tell you guys that, that these um, contributions, uh, these partnerships that you're doing with us, they, they truly make a difference between whether we can push this material out and whether we cannot. Absolutely. Thank you very much. So that's buymeacoffee.com uh, forward slash Yishai. And of course, YishaiFleischer.com for all of your needs and all of your content needs. Uh, and we have an awesome 11-year-old video that we made that I made uh, about uh, the 9th of August. Yeah, Yishai. It's you can a, see Yishai back in time. If you want to see Yishai with black beard. Okay, and not just gray beard. Uh, it's, it was only 11 years ago that I used to have much more black in my beard. Okay, and if that's interesting to you, uh, I'll be posting <laughs> that. that ju- well. That's just right there. Yeah, right there. That's, that's right. why you should watch the video. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea. Thank you, Hashem, for giving us a chance to come back to our land. We are sorry for all the stupidity that we've pulled on you, and we've left you, and we've and we've. And we've forsaken you, and we've, we've screwed and it up over sc- and over. That's and right, over and we're idolatrous, and, and 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 every other bad thing. And we're sorry about that. We really are, and we are thankful for this incredible moment in time. And we don't even know why we have merited. We know we have not merited personally, uh, but for some reason, you have chosen us to represent all the generations previous that have wanted to come home. Although I have to say, I think that we still in this generation can do things where Shem is like, I like that. Oh, yeah. I like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Including doing this show right now. I hope so. Bezrat Hashem. All right, folks. Uh, lots of love. Lots of blessings. Thank you to Tabitha Yocheved Moshe Herman. Ben Bresky. Uh, I said Tabitha Yocheved Mo- Moshe Herman. Ben Herman Bresky. Bresky. Lewin were live. And Lewin were live. That's right. Uh, who was indeed live with us yesterday. Thank you very much uh, for being with us and being part of it. And thank you, wherever you are. Have heart. Take heart. Be strong out there. Yes, mourn. Yes, ask for forgiveness. Yes, you know, cry for all the, the blood that has been spilled. But also right now, get into that gear uh, that we are doing and we are rebuilding. Malka Fleischer, thank you so much for being with me. Uh, and uh, of course, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.